0: Anybody know what letter we're starting with tonight? Do you know Natalie? Lolly just told you, didn't she? All right. Well, let's pause for a moment of prayer. Ask for his special help. Lord, thank you for that wrap present. Thank you for the, the meaning of that present, how it's changed our lives, how it's changed the world in which we live right here in our little circle. Help us to take that and let it radiate into the world around us. The package of Christmas, we would represent you well. Now, as we look at these next few letters in the alphabet this Advent season, I pray that you would give us that help that is needed that only comes from you. I need your touch. I need your strength. Pray that you would give that anointing that is needed. In Jesus' name, amen. I think I failed to mention this morning before I got started that, uh, again, this is... The Advent alphabet coming from Ray Pritchard. And he's uh, provided so much information. Maybe some of you have uh, been following along with it yourself. This evening, we're going to start off here with Luke chapter 2, verse 7. We're looking at the letter M to begin with. The letter M is the 13th letter in the alphabet. So that means that we are what? the conclusion of m we're halfway through isn't that amazing halfway through so how many more services do we have luke chapter 2 verse 7 she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes how many of you guessed the right word and laid him in a manger did you guess the right one Now, the thing that we need to again address, we've already looked at it in so many different letters, so many different uh, things before. What's wrong with this picture? Laid him in a manger. The answer is really simple. It's not of anything of, of complexity at all, but Jesus doesn't belong here. He's the Son of God from heaven. He doesn't deserve to be treated... In this way. When we stop and think about him being the Son of God, he does not deserve to be treated this way. He deserves what? He deserves the best. The best that the world would have to offer is still beneath what he was experiencing, what he knew as a part of his existence, his world in heaven. But still, being the Son of God, he deserves the best. And he ends up, as he comes from heaven to earth, he ends up in a stable. How can it possibly be that way? Especially when you stop and realize that God could have done better for himself. He he could have done better. All it would have taken for him is just a simple word spoken or just the snap of a finger, if you please. He could have done better for himself. Now, if it was you or me, when we had all the power, all of the power in the universe at our, our disposal, that we could choose the time, the place, the manner of our son's birth, would any one of us select a stable for the son that is about to be born into our lives, into our world? Probably we would answer no. No. No, that wouldn't be the first option. But when we realize what is going on here, again, it's brought to our attention the the place that he is born, this manger that he was placed in, we have to realize again, it has to come out in our conversation, the world had no room for Christ, had no room for Christ then, and our world really has no room for Christ now. John tells us in his gospel that he came to his own, and his own received him not. Jesus came home to his own people, and they wouldn't even take him in. He came to his own people who should have known him the best, but they wanted nothing to do with him. If Jesus were born today, maybe it wouldn't have been in a stable and placed in a manger. Maybe he would have been in some kind of a uh, a discarded discarded building, uh, ramshackle and, and broken down. Maybe he would have just been born, if he was born today, he would have been born just out in a country field somewhere. For certain, it would not have been in the biggest city, it would have been in some small obscure place, some unknown town somewhere, because the world doesn't have any room for him then, and it doesn't have any room for him now, his humility The position of his life started with humility. You could even say humiliation, but it was a place in the position of humility and it continued through the entirety of his life. Everything that we see about him reveals the humility of his life. Jesus even told somebody one day, it's recorded in Matthew chapter number 8, he said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but I don't have any place to call my own. I know I paraphrased that pretty big, didn't I? But no place to to lay his head, to pillow his head. What did Jesus own? I'm talking about in his adult life, what did he have to his name? Well, he had the clothes on his back, it seems, and that may have been just about it. And when he was crucified, the soldiers gambled for his robe. And when he died, they, they buried him in a borrowed tomb. He just didn't have anything. You could say that Jesus was an outsider in every sense of the word. He came from outside of this world. Do you know how hard it is to break into a into a new clique, into a new place? You go somewhere and nobody knows you. It's hard to get into that. Unless you're extremely outgoing, maybe extremely funny, or have a lot of money. It's hard to get into a place. It's hard to feel welcomed into a place. And he was outsider in every sense. He came from outside of this earth. He was, he was born in an, in an outside of the inn, so to speak. He was born in a stable. He was placed in a manger. He died outside the city walls. There, there was just nothing, nothing about him that, presented possessions and and being in he was an outsider Christmas time, a lot of times when people do uh, Christmas plays or, or the, the nativity scene, they have the inn depicted, and there's somewhere in that uh, inn depiction there's a no vacancy sign. Now, now that no vacancy sign is, is there for what reason? That, that no vacancy sign is there for our purpose, it's for our benefit. You say, Well, what do you mean it's for our benefit? Because God could have had a room for him, but the, the no vacancy is there for us to consider, for us to realize. He could have created a place in a hospital. He could have created a place, a palace, even in Bethlehem, if he so desired. Everything that unfolded was leading them to the very place of his birth that was a lowly position, a lowly place. The no vacancy sign was there for our benefit. There's no room for him in the inn. The consensus, the long journey, the no room in the inn, the no crib for a bed, the feeding trough, the swaddling clothes, even though all of that would depict this, this uh, outsider situation, this place and position of humility, all of it, though, was still planned by God. Even though, as I mentioned this morning, it would appear to the unseen eye that it was, uh, it was just mere happenstance, every single detail down to the manger was designed and set up by God so that we so that we might learn who Jesus is and why He came. I know that that our faith would believe and our heart would believe and our open heart would say, there's room in my heart for this low child wrapped in swaddling clothes. Mary wrapped her baby for the world. The manger. Then we move quickly on here to the next letter starting the second half of the alphabet, and that is the letter N. This one we could spend a lot of time on because of its nature. (coughs) We go over to Matthew chapter 2. Things have transpired here. It's after the Christmas season, if you please. Joseph has had a dream, he's had a vision, and he's, he's been given instruction from the angel. And so in this verse it says that he arose, and he took the child and his mother uh, and departed to Egypt. But, but there was something in that verse that, that indicates maybe a little bit of, of, of pressing around, and that is that he did it by night. Night, in. I'm for one that does I don't really like these long nights that we have now. And I was thinking today, this morning, as well, I realized that the sun doesn't even come up until nearly 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock, well that's, the half the morning's over by 8 o'clock. But it's still dark outside. But then I realized the solstice is just around the corner. We're almost there. I just don't like the nighttime that well. I don't know how they do it up in the northern hemisphere, in the, in the northern parts where they have darkness sometimes six months out of the year. I don't know how they live. I don't know how they survive. I mean, we have this idea about the night. At least I have a strong idea about the night. And what about it here? What about it here? He departed. He took Mary and Jesus and they left, left to go to Egypt by night. Now let's review some of the events that were taking place here. Mary and Joseph were in Nazareth when the conception of Jesus took place. They traveled to Bethlehem where Jesus was born. Herod the Great ordered that all the baby boys under the age of two in Bethlehem were to be slaughtered. Now that one stands out here pretty pretty boldly in this particular circumstance. Surely, surely that creates a darkness that would settle over the land a darkness that would settle over the emotions the mind an angel comes and warns joseph to take mary and jesus jesus and flee to egypt for safety and they left by night they fled to egypt they stayed there until herod died and then they returned to nazareth where jesus was raised now, there's some things that we just don't know, but but one thing that stands out here, as I've already mentioned, the, the nighttime, the darkness, was that Herod wanted this baby Jesus to be dead. And so he ordered that all babies, all male babies of Bethlehem be put to death. Nighttime. Joseph was a godly man, a just man, as we looked at this morning. He didn't want anything to happen to this boy, this precious bundle. He knew that there was something special about it. He knew that this was not just an earthly child, even though he claimed it then as his, I believe, (laughs) as an adoptive son. But it was night. It was dark. You say, well, what's what your point here? Let's just, I'm just trying to let the darkness of night settle in. Because I want us then to realize that whenever God does anything good in this world, the devil puts his demon spirits into overdrive. And some of you have felt the very effects of that in your own lives. When you have sensed and realized God has been working in a powerful sense and in a a special move, there's also that counteraction from the enemy. He is not willing in any way to give up any room, anything to the Lord to where you will be an effective worker for Christ or for God's kingdom or for your family. And he stirs up people like Herod, to do these dastardly deeds, these dark deeds. And sometimes it causes our paths, even as it caused the path of Jesus Christ, unexpected turns, unexpected zigs and zags. I used to hate it when I was a kid when people would use that phrase. I've kind of, you know, it's okay now. Unexpected turns... And sometimes we find ourselves just like Jesus, fleeing over to Egypt for safety from time to time. But remember, waiting on the the word from God sometimes is what defines a person in their spiritual greatness. You may not see it until after you're well down the road looking back. But stay true to what you know to be right. What you know to be true what you've already learned from the Lord, Paul reiterates it in various letters that he's given to the churches that he's talking about he's talking about standing firm and and believing and trusting and and not turning aside to anything else and and don't even he said even if I preach another gospel, don't believe it stand firm, stand true stand committed to the kingdom of God as you already know don't try to rush the Lord don't begin to complain when things happen slowly or when plans have to be suddenly changed trust in his divine direction And so by faith we go down to Egypt in the middle of the night... And as we look back on this story, we can have, even as they, as they came out, we can have faith that God will also bring us out of the Egyptian experience, the hiding away, perhaps, uh, the getting away from the, from the middle of the, of the conflict and, and trying to salvage or whatever the case may be. In the middle of the night, God will then restore and bring us out in His own time, in the fullness of time. But the going and the coming, both of them are a part of God's plan. Write that down in your mind. The going and the coming are a part of God's plan. Well, what do you mean? I mean exactly what New Testament Scripture tells us when it says that all things work together for our good, all things work together for our good. Do remember the puzzle that Landon helped me put together up here? Oh, I think this piece needs to go here. Or I think this piece needs to go here or, or the other way around. And, and, uh, but God knows where the pieces go. And we trust his hand in putting them together so that we can have the confidence to know that both the going and the coming are a part of God's plan. Everything that happens to us is designed to direct us in the right path. We then have the choice to decide and to decide whether it's going to make us better or bitter or turn right or turn left or but everything works And even though he was the son of God, Jesus had to escape to Egypt in the middle of the night. And he was not exempt from the trials that this world has. And neither are we. Jesus tells us that we will suffer persecution. In the world there are tribulations. There are trials. But do you remember what else Jesus said about that? He said, I have overcome the world. Jesus himself was not exempt from the trials that this world has to offer. But the result is, the, re, the, re, the re, return is that God will have the last word. Herod always dies. And Jesus was able to return home and grow up in safety. Are you going through a dark place? Is it nighttime in your spiritual life right now? Oh, maybe you come to church and you feel good being in church, and you enjoy being in the presence of other people in a, in a worship setting, and all of that. But in the back of your mind, and the back of, in the darkness of the night, when you pillow your head, these things come troubling into your into your thinking and into your mind. Remember that God can restore and will eventually restore and bring you out from the darkness of the night. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Let's go to the letter O. Luke chapter 2, verse 34: Jesus is with his parents in the temple. And there's a man that meets them there. He's been waiting for the Christ. And he picks up the child, he holds it tenderly, and he begins to, uh, he begins to give a little bit of a prophecy. And you know what prophecy Simeon gave, pronounced that day? Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed Now, that's not the King James translation, but the King James says, for a sign which shall be spoken against, opposed. We could call this the bad news about the good news. You see, not everyone loves Jesus, right? Not everyone's glad that he came. The scribes ignored him. Herod tried to kill him. Their descendants nailed him to the cross. Jesus himself said that he was a, really a, a divider. You could call, them, call him that he was the great divider of men. Simeon was saying that he will cause many to fall and many to rise. There's going to be a lot of people speak up against him. And in speaking against him, the hidden thoughts of the heart will be revealed. That's well, a, a terrible thing to say about a tiny baby. Come on, get on board with me here. Simeon's a bad man here. He's, he's prophesying bad words about this precious little baby. But that was his purpose. That's the purpose of Christ. Mary, they're going to touch this child. You won't be able to do anything about it. They're going to hate him. They're going to, they're going to tell stories about him. They're going to lie about him. They're going to spread rumors about you and Joseph. They'll do his, their best to smear his life with, with uh, malicious lies. And you'll have to stand hopelessly and helplessly and watch it happen. You know that down the road it came true, right? Right? There was even a time when they questioned his parentage, but not only did they did they question his parentage, they also questioned his mental ability. See they yeah, they snickered about him believing that he was the Son of God isn't that in an, in essence saying that he was mentally challenged? he had some some screws missing? He believed that he was the son of God. They believed that he was filled with demons. (laughs) But all in all, we know that hatred was at the the base of it, at the core of it. They they hated him, and, and their hatred took full control, and so eventually they arrested him. They put him on trial, blasphemous accusations, calling him a blasphemer. They beat him with an inch of his life, leaving his skin in tattered ribbons. It's hard for us to imagine really what was going on at that, in that situation, that instance. And at the trial, he was condemned to die. Mary had to watch her son in agony. Brutally beaten, bloody, inhumane. Watch him die this horrible death. But amid all of the stench and the gore of the crucifixion, Mary stood by her son. She couldn't stop the flow of blood. She couldn't wipe his brow with some kind of a a cool rag to ease his pain. She was not even able to hold his hand. And then we remember the words of Simeon. He would be opposed. A sword would pierce her soul. And again, we're reminded again, we're reminded that above the cradle stands the cross. This little baby was born to die. The joy of Christmas leads on to the agony of Good Friday. But he was born to end up that way. But you know what the most important part about this story, again, even as we see the opposition in his life, the darkness in his life, the most important thing that we even find as we look through all of those portions and parts is, is what is our response? What is our present day response? Because what our response is to Christ reveals what's in our heart. Most of all, the way that we respond to Jesus tells us where we're going to spend eternity. There's only two ways. As I mentioned this morning, we either join the kingdom of God or we're a part of the kingdom of darkness. How do we respond to Him? Letter P. Number 16. Luke chapter 2, verse 19. Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, again, the the King James says it this way but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The word treasured has an idea here. She kept them. She treasured them. This word has an idea of counting things up. Almost like making a list so that you don't forget anything. You know what I'm talking about? If you're over 40, you know what I'm talking about. You make a list so that when you get somewhere, you don't forget what you're there for. Unless you forgot to take the list. Words of experience. She was treasuring things up. She was, she was keeping them close. She was making a list in her heart. The word pondered, though, goes a little bit deeper than that. Goes deeper than wondering or treasuring It means to take the events that you have had and laid them up in your memory and then go beneath the surface to understand what it all means and why it happened the way that it did. Mary pondered. Mary looked at them. Mary was continually looking over them and trying to find the deep meaning of them. Pondered them. Reminds me of one of the... uh, One of the messages that Edward shared with us, I believe it was on a Wednesday night, about meditation and the importance of meditating. And and I think that somehow that fits right into this particular thing. Mary was pondering them. There was meditation going on. No, No doubt Mary went back, all the way back to what happened to Zacharias and Elizabeth and the birth of John the Baptist and... And I'm sure that in the midst of her pondering, she was being reminded of what Gabriel said and, and how Joseph responded when she told him that she was pregnant and, and the amazing dream that Joseph had. She must have recalled the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem and all of the events of the birth itself. You know, pondering's hard work. That's why a lot of people don't want to do it, because it's hard work. But this is a perfect time of the year for us to ponder. Let's join Mary in pondering. Let's join Mary in meditating on the things that have happened. On the things that we have been taught, the things that we have learned, the things and the times when when God, Christ, the Holy Spirit has ministered specifically to our heart and, and maybe in the nick of time, as it were. You know how do we do that? Well, we have to set aside some specific uninterrupted time. We have to turn, we have to turn off all of the distractions. We have to turn off all of the distractions. Whatever it is that distracts, we have to find a quiet place. The inner closet is what the gospels tell us. Jesus tells us, enter into the closet. Shut the door. Turn off all of those things that are drawing our attention and the buzz and the happenings of life and begin our prayer time and and a special quiet time asking God to show us the things that He wants us to learn. Think about the last 12 months. What has God taught you? in the last 12 months. What lessons seem to come up again and again? We talked about a little bit about that Wednesday night. I don't want to have to go through this again. I want to learn my lessons well so I don't have to face this issue again. And the sermon that I said that I listened to of L.W. Barbie that was talking about not allowing those things to slip, don't allow those things to slip away from us. You know the cares of life, the things that happen in our world, the things that are going on in our in our existence have a tendency to draw us away and to quiet down the voice of the holy. We have to bring ourselves back to hear his voice. What have you learned about yourself this year? What have you learned about God's character this year? Have you learned something new about God this year? And then ask the Lord for insight as to where He might be leading you in the year to come. This is a good time of the year to ponder, to reflect, to look at things. Mary pondered what God had been doing in her life. Clara Scott wrote these words. You probably know them. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Place in my hands the wonderful key that shall unclasp and set me free. Silently now I wait for thee. Ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my eyes, illumine me, Spirit divine. Open my ears that I may hear. Voices of truth, thou sendest clear. And while the wave notes fall on my ear, everything false will disappear. Silently now I wait for thee, ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my ears, illumine me, spirit divine. She pondered. Let's take some time to ponder. The things that God has taught us, the things that God has provided for us, and what He has in store for us as we walk with Him. Let's stand together. Praise God. I hope that I take that to heart myself, to ponder. Let him give clear direction for what he has for us, for me, in the days ahead. May God help us. Trust you have a good week this week. Thank you for your attendance and attention today. Let's pray for these needs that are around us, especially these hearts that are aching and breaking with the circumstances of life that they face the quack and bush specifically pray that god will touch them and give them that help that is needed dr david matlock would you dismiss us in prayer